0: Um, by Andy Stanley called uh, Staying in Love, and it was actually in this study that I met our our special guest this weekend that I want to introduce you to. Um, Some very incredible individuals that have made a big impact in my life have taught me very much, and so I just wanted to introduce them to you. It's Mr. and Mrs. Mug, okay? You say, what is this, Todd? Well, um, Mr. and Mrs. Mugg, uh, they met shortly after college, and uh, Mrs. Mugg, she, she noticed Mr. Mugg, and, uh, you know, he, he just seemed to have a lot of things going for him, you know, and she was kind of like, wow, this guy, you know, and, and he took one look at her and said, oh, dang, I mean, look, just look at her. She's gorgeous. I mean, unbelievable. And uh, so he was attracted. And at the beginning of their relationship, they were so careful, you know. Uh, you, you, you start dating, and, and you, you're, you're just trying to win the approval, the affections, and so careful with each other. And then they got married. And uh, yeah, about, about a month in, uh, you know, something happened. And, and I mean, whoa, oh, man. I mean, stuff came out. Stuff came out. It was a mess. And and and. Mrs. Muggs, she looked at him and said, Whoa, you got anger issues. And he looked at her and said, Well, where did all that come from? I didn't know that was that was in there. And 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 life goes on, and they they kind of kept bumping in. And I mean, just I mean, it was causing an, an incredible mess in their relationships. And and so she went to talk to her sister. And she said, I didn't know he was like that. And um, he went, we don't really know where guys go. I mean, <laughs> he, was, he was probably standing looking in the mirror. I don't know. And, and he, thought, he thought to himself, oh, she just makes me so mad. And every time we bump, I mean, all this stuff comes out, and she's blaming me, and, and, she, and, and he's blaming her, and they didn't know what, quite what to, to do with all of this. And when they started dating, they, they didn't see any of this stuff. And, 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 you know, he thought that the reason that, you know, all this stuff was coming out was because he, she just kept bumping him. And, well, she said, well, you know, I wouldn't act that way if you didn't do that, you know. And what they, what they didn't realize, and, and maybe we don't realize, is that, I mean, the, the reason that the pink beads come out of Mrs. Mug. Is because that's what's in there. And uh, you're going to write this down? The reason that <laughs> the blue beads come out of Mr. Mug is because uh, that's what's in there. It leads us to a bottom line truth that we want to really grab a hold of this weekend. And that is that that which is in you will eventually come out of you. Isn't that so true? And when we speak of that which is in us, what we're primarily focusing on is that which is going on inside the heart. And that's why in the midst of this series, Address the Mess, this weekend, we want to address the mess of our hearts. When I say heart, I'm not primarily thinking of the, you know, beating blood pumping muscle in the midst of our chest. In fact, you know, the Bible actually uses the word heart over a thousand times, but most times it would define it this way. And for our time together, that's what I want us to think about. So the heart, what's inside? It, we would consider it the spiritual part of us where our emotions and our desires dwell. And isn't that what was getting Mr. and Mrs. Mug in trouble. Because that which is in you will eventually come out of you. And it isn't just our heart, our emotions, our desires. They don't just affect our marriages. They affect all of our relationships, whether it's with our kids or our co-workers or fellow students or fellow athletes on the team, our work world. Everything gets impacted by what's going on on the inside. And the, we have a heart problem. This is where it's all coming from. God knew this from the beginning. And he, he spoke through the prophet Jeremiah to a, a group of his people. And look at what he writes. He says, the heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. He says, who can fully understand it? See, that's the problem with our hearts. There's something wrong and we can't even figure out fully what is going on. And that was Mr. and Mrs. Mugg's issue and it's my issue and it's our issue. There's a problem with our hearts. What God's word really points us to is that that in the innermost parts of who we are, there is this deceptiveness, this selfishness. There's this range of emotions that left untamed can make such a mess in our lives. So we've got to address the mess of our heart. And the first step, wow, there's so much that goes on here. Think about how our emotions steer us off course. I love Kerry Newhoff, one of my favorite pastors and authors. He says, When it comes to our emotions, it's never as bad as you think when you're emotional, and it's likely not as great as you think either. Emotions make us see the negative things more negatively than we should, and the positive things more positively than we should. Isn't that true? That's what our emotions and our desires can do, and it can cause an incredible mess. Think about all the terrible decisions that we make when we're emotional, right? I mean, we said terrible things. Or we lost our temper in a meeting. Or we bought that new car. This was an excited emotion, you know, enthusiasm. Uh, but, but we really couldn't afford it. And it caused another mess. Or we said we wanted a divorce. Or we ate way too much. Or we drank too much. Or we drove. We got angry. We, we, we just sped off and we drove so fast. And then we, got, then we get a ticket and it's an even bigger mess, right? Or you almost quit, or you did quit, and the list could go on and on and on. And that which is in us will eventually come out of us. And Jesus addressed the mess of the heart, and he was pretty straightforward. He wants us to wake up to what's on the interior of our life. And in Mark chapter 7, Jesus is in the midst of teaching. And he says, listen, from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts and immorality and theft and murder and adultery and greed and wickedness and deceit and lustful desires and envy and slander and pride and foolishness. He says, all these vile things where do they come from? It's because Mrs. Mugg keeps bumping me, right? No, they come from within. Because that which is in you will eventually come out of you. And so if we've got this, this problem, if our hearts are are wounded, and our hearts are deceitful, and our hearts can lead us so astray, how do we address the mess of our hearts? I think the first step we have to come to realize is that we actually need a brand new heart. You know, I w- man, I wish that I could say, uh, you know, I'll just do better. Yeah, I just won't lose my temper next time. Or, um, you know, I I just won't say those things next time. You know, I'll, I'll control it. I'll clean myself up. I'll fix what's wrong on the inside. And the problem is we can't. I think Eric mentioned it last week. And, you know, if, and he was quoting Andy Stanley, like, if we could have fixed ourselves, don't you think we would have done it by now? And there's just some things that we can't make better. We need an outside source of help and true hope. That's why I love what what God said to his people in the Old Testament. And he speaks through the prophet Ezekiel. And he said, I will give you a new heart. Why? Because that's what we need. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. He says, I will take out your stony and stubborn heart, and I'll give you instead a tender and responsive heart. A tender heart. Uh, Not a non-emotional heart. Not a heart that doesn't have desires, but a tender and responsive heart that is responsive to God's Spirit because it's a new heart and a new spirit all at once. You say, well, man, how does that happen? How do I... How do I get this heart transplant, so to speak, if we're here and we're recognizing, man, some of the messes in my life, I'm realizing it's because of something that's going on inside of me and I don't know how to fix it. Man, if that's you, you are in the right spot. And God's promise to his people then is his promise to us today that he wants to give you a new heart. And the Apostle Paul, he says, how, how, that, how that process begins in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 10. Very well-known passage of Scripture. Look at it. He says, if, if we openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts. See, it's always a matter of the heart. He says, if we, if we confess Jesus as Lord, we turn to him and we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that he went to the cross, died for all of our sins, died for the messes that we create and rose from the dead, conquering death, conquering the mess. He says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring our faith that we are saved. A new heart begins the moment that we turn to Jesus and can admit what's really in there and call out to him for forgiveness and help and to ask Jesus to become the leader of our lives. If you're here this weekend, and you know something's wrong on the inside, and you haven't been able to figure it out, but you're you're realizing, I think this is what it is. I just want to encourage you, before you leave today, wherever you're at, you don't have to bow your head. You don't have to fold your hands. Just tell God in your soul, I'm sorry, and I need you. I need a whole new start. I need a new heart. Well, That happened in my life when I was 17 years old, and there, there's many people in this room that have given their life to Jesus, that have turned their life over to Him. They've received this new heart, but The problem even with new things is that they too can get damaged, right? I mean, you get a brand new pair of shoes because the old ones were just trashed and you can protect them, you know, for a while, but eventually they get scuffed up, they get worn out, they get dirty. And the same thing happens even when we've received a new heart. We become tainted by the environment around us and it affects what's within us and then what's in us ends up coming out of us again. And that leads us to a second step to addressing the mess of our hearts. And it's what Solomon said in in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He said, we need to learn to guard our heart. Look at it with me. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. He begins by saying, above all else. Now, this is really significant because... I mean, Solomon had a lot to say. I mean, the the book of Proverbs is full of this rich wisdom that Christians, non-Christians, religious and irreligious people, quote, sometimes not even knowing it because it's so relevant and so true. And, And Solomon talked about money and relationships and work and sex. He talked about it all and above all those things. Catch this. He's saying above all that. It's like if he were here today, he'd be saying, listen, I don't know what your new goals are, what your resolutions are for this new year, your priorities. He's saying, above all of those other things, he's saying, above it all, guard your heart. And why? He says, because everything you do flows from it. It's the source of everything else. One translation of this verse says, for, front, for for you, the heart directs all the affairs of our lives. This is it's such a big deal. Think about when things are off in our heart, in our emotions, in our desires. Right? Well, I'm just in a funk, and then it affects everything that day. Well, I'm just mad, and we can't find joy. Right? It affects everything about us or if we're on top of the world well then hey everything's just peachy keen you know and even when we face other things oh no everything's great our emotions can so so lead us astray and and solomon say that's why we've got to guard our heart so what does that mean is that just something like like lisa tells my girls like guard your hearts to guard uh, can mean to guard diligently, like against an enemy, like you know, a teenage boy, like guard your heart from that boy. You know? and, and immediately when we hear that word guard, we, we think protect and don't, like, don't let anything in, like don't give it out, don't give it away, don't, you know, w- protect your heart, right? And that is what Solomon's saying, but that's not all that Solomon is saying. This word guard means to, yes, to protect against the enemy, but it also means to regulate with careful discipline or to maintain with proper supplies. What Solomon was saying is, guard your heart. Yes, be careful, protect it, be careful of what comes into it. But he's also saying guard your heart by paying attention to what is really going on in your heart because that which is in you will eventually come out of you. Pay attention to it. One of the ways I think that we we pay attention, we we guard what comes into our heart, is by living in a posture of prayer. It's a place where we meet God. I love Peter Scazzera's, uh writes this book, "Emotionally Healthy Spirituality." Both Eric and I have read it. Actually, we read it together. It's it's so life changing. And he says, "Listen, don't ignore your emotions." Because we can think guarding our heart means we just like, ignore it. and then Most of us guys, that's what we, we try to do, right? He says ignoring our emotions is actually turning our back on reality. But listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet God. Now, I'm not saying sometimes my emotions are not reality, but in that moment, they are my reality, right? And yours are too. We can't help feel what we feel, and oftentimes what we feel becomes our reality. So we've got to address what's going on in the seat of our heart, our emotions and desires. And Peter Schazero is saying that's actually when we'll understand ourselves better, and that's actually where we have the opportunity to meet God in the midst of our emotions. And one of the ways that we do that is by living a prayerful life, living in a posture of prayer. I don't mean just walking around like this, you know. I mean living dependent upon Jesus and bringing everything that's going on in our hearts to Him. That's why Paul writes to the Philippian church and he says, So don't be anxious. That's an emotion, a feeling, right? It's something that's going on inside. I don't, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I don't know what to do about this. I'm overwhelmed. He says, so don't be anxious. Instead, pray about everything, every situation. He says, by prayer and petition, he says, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and look at the, what the results can be. He says, in the peace of God that transcends all human understanding, even our emotions, it goes beyond the emotions and the desires of what we feel deep down inside, and it will guard our hearts. When we live in a posture of prayer, Jesus can guard our hearts so that to protect us from that which might want to get in there and do damage and cause a mess inside, which will eventually cause a mess on the outside. When we we take to God our anxieties, our worries, our, our anger, our hurt, our pain, his peace can protect us so that so that the bitterness won't sink in there, so that the anger won't be unleashed from there. It's by living in a posture of prayer. Jesus did this with his father. He he just went to went to God. And this is what, what we can do to guard our hearts. Not only living in a posture of prayer, but then we need to check the gauges. Somebody said, our emotions make good gauges, but lousy guides. Isn't that true? Like, emotions are a good thing. God created us with emotions. We're not saying don't have emotion. I mean, who wants an emotionless existence? But just don't let our emotions become the leaders of our life. So, we got to pay attention to them. They're gauges. It's like yesterday I was at a funeral in the morning, uh, and uh, I was on my way back from Milan to Sandusky, and I heard a little ding. And I looked down, and I saw my fuel gauge, and it was low. And so I pulled over, and I got gas. I checked the gauges. If I wouldn't have checked the gauges or if I wouldn't have paid attention to the gauges, eventually I could have been in a mess. I would have been calling a friend like, hey, can you bring a red can? Please. Think about all the ways, like if we would pay attention to what's going on. I was, I remember years ago I was remodeling, not really remodeling. Okay, I took the cupboard doors off and we repainted them and I kept, I was so careful. I I put in baggies, and I labeled um, the hardware so that it it went back in the exact same spot. And uh, so everything's back together. Everything's looking beautiful. I, I, I take the hardware. I get ready to put some of the doors on, and there was this one particular door, and I was using the right hardware in the right spot. But for whatever reason, whenever I went to screw that nail in, it just went sideways, and I would step back, and that door would just be a little bit off, and it just wouldn't close, and that really, was kind of frustrating, and so I, I went back, and I undid it all, and I started back over, and then put it back in, and a, a second, third time, and I was getting so mad, and eventually, I got so mad, and I lost it, and, and I took the, the drill, and I just slammed it up against the thing, and I ended up busting stuff. Now I'm even more, more mad than I was in the first place, And it, I was, and you know these are the moments where Lisa will say to me, and, and sometimes she's a gauge, like a good gauge, and she's saying, "Hey, may, hey, hey, maybe, maybe you should just take a break." But that's when us guys were like, "No, I'm not taking a break, I'm getting this done, and I'm getting this done right now." And we don't pay attention to the gauges. And that which is in there will eventually come out. And then we're in another mess. I think part of identifying, uh, uh, watching the gauges in our life is identifying what we're feeling. Like before, before I act or speak, it's just pausing to say, what is going on? Like, why do I feel, the, what am I feeling and why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Andy Stanley says, we've got to identify, and I mean go deep, like get even beyond the, well, I'm just mad, right? But why am I mad? Well, I'm mad because I, this, this, this door is not going on the right way. Well, why are you mad about that? Well, I, I'm, I'm really mad because I feel like I did the right thing, and I, I tried to do it well, and I wanted to show Lisa that I could accomplish this, and I feel mad because now I feel incompetent. And, I, and I'm mad because I feel embarrassed. You see what happens when we stop? To, to ask ourselves, what am I really feeling? And then we need to sometimes say it out loud. Sometimes saying out loud like, oh, so what, so what I'm feeling is incompetent and embarrassed. And then in that moment I realize that's more about me than it is about the project. Because that which is in me Is coming out of me and it's sometimes in saying it out loud that it can lose it loses its power over us and then sometimes it means actually then sharing it now i say share appropriately and you could even say share when it's appropriate like not everything needs to be shared but if i'm in a mess or i've got some i'm trying to check the gauges of my life to prevent a mess, sometimes it helps to enunciate what's going on and to share it with others. Hey, listen, I'm just upset right now because I thought I could do this. Give me a minute, right? Share it appropriately. And share it with the person and don't share it on Facebook and don't post it out there and just put it out there or text it because that can come across wrong or maybe not everybody needs to know all this stuff that's going on inside because that will cause even more messes, but share it and share it appropriately. Identify what we're feeling. Say it out loud. Share it appropriately. Check the gauges. This is part of guarding our hearts. Guarding our heart means living in a posture of prayer And then taking time to slow down to say, oh, what's really in there? What's really going on? And that leads us to a third and final step to addressing the mess of our hearts, ultimately just to ask Jesus to guide our hearts. I love what Paul prays over the Thessalonian believers. He says, may the Lord... Lead your hearts. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for my kids. That's our prayer for you today. That the Lord would give us a new heart. That the Lord would help us do our part to guard, to, to protect it, yes. To be careful about what gets in there. To to. To depend on Jesus and bring what's in there to Him and to, to, to stop, to slow down, to check the gauges of our life so that we can avoid some of the messes that can sometimes come out. And ultimately to, to relinquish control, to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm not doing a real good of guiding my heart. My emotions seem to keep steering my heart in the wrong direction and it's causing a mess. Jesus. Guide my heart. And I love what Paul prays. May the Lord lead your hearts into what? Into a full understanding and expression of the love of God. What we need most in any situation is to know how deeply, passionately, sacrificially God loves you and loves that other person that maybe we're interacting with. Think about how things would change, guys, if we let the Lord guide us into a full understanding of how crazy He loves us and loves others. How that would temper our emotions. How it would change how we truly feel on the inside because He's leading us now. And not just into the the love of God, but into the patient endurance that comes from Christ, wow! Isn't that what I need when, when I'm working on a home project and it's not going right? Isn't that what Mister and Missus Mug need when they bumped? Imagine how it would imagine how it would be different for Mister and Missus Mug if they had come to a place of admitting, man, you know what? Actually, honey. Yes, sweetie. Actually, honey. Yeah, it's me. And and, and she said, "Well, you know what? I realize um, it's not really your fault. It's it's been what's in me all along, too. And what would happen if Mr. and Mrs. Mug began to?" to guard what's in there, to, to depend on Jesus, to, to take what's in there, to, to, to check the gauges, to, to, to slow down to say, whoa, where did that come from? Why do I feel that way? And to, and to then say, Jesus, we need your help. Jesus, would you would you guide our hearts bottom line truth is that that which is in there it will eventually come out and most of the time it's 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 not that other person that coworker that friend that family member it's what was in there all along and we've just not addressed the mess of our hearts would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for the relevance of your word and for silly illustrations that, wow, that challenge me, that convict me. But it's to help me realize that the need that every single human being has for an a whole new heart, a whole new start. And maybe there's somebody here this weekend that's never turned their life over to you. Jesus, would you help them to have the greatest courage ever and the the most humility ever to admit what's really going on in their hearts and to turn to you. To say, Jesus, I need a new heart. My heart is selfish. My heart is deceitful. My emotions and desires are flawed. And I ask that you would give me a new heart, a, a heart of flesh that is tender towards your spirit. And Jesus, for all the rest of us in the room that have maybe taking that step already in our life, we just admit that, man, there's still some, some stuff in there that's gotten dirty and things have become tainted and, or worn out or tired or overwhelmed. And we've, we've made a mess. Jesus, help us to, to pay attention to what's going on, to be able to stop by only your Spirit's power to assess and address what's really going on. And ultimately, Jesus, none of this will be possible, none of it, unless you guide us. So I pray with the Apostle Paul for all of us here today. May the Lord lead our hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and into the patient endurance that only comes from Christ. We ask this in his name, and we thank you for your help in advance. In Jesus' name, amen.